and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have another special guest for you, Shelley Francis, who is the author of a new book called The Courage Way, Leading and Living with Integrity. She wrote the book in her role as the Marketing Communications Director at the Centre for Courage and Renewal, which is a non-profit based in Seattle. Leadership demands courage. You have to make good decisions while balancing inevitable tensions and knowing when to take risks. You need to keep your values in sight, regardless of the pressure around you. At its core, leadership is a daily ongoing practice, a journey towards becoming your best self and inviting others to do the same. And that's where the Courage Way comes in. It's a guide to leadership that shows how to access and draw upon courage in all that you do. It has its roots in the work of Parker J. Palmer, who in 50 years of teaching, speaking and writing, has explored the human spirit, what he calls the inner landscape, and its role in life and leadership. This graceful and inspiring book is a guide to courageous leadership and a journey of self-discovery. As Francis writes, courage is not only in you, it is you. In your moments of courage, that's when you meet your true self. Enjoy. Well, today we have a super special guest for you, all the way from Seattle, Washington, Shelley Francis from the Center for Courage and Renewal. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we're very excited to have you here. So as we always start with our Women of Inspiration, we'd always love to unpack uh, our Women of Inspiration. So for our listeners, Shelley, tell us a little bit about your story, your unique story, and how you got to where you got to today. Sure. Well, you know, I got to the Center for Courage and Renewal by way of book writing. And um, I've just finished writing a book for the Center for Courage and Renewal called The Courage Way. And it goes way back to about 2002 when I was finishing another book, a memoir that I was doing about cancer caregiving. And I learned that um, book writing process from what we call the Circle of Trust approach. It was a really wonderful women's writing group called Women writing for a change, and the A is in parentheses, so it's women writing for change, as in social change, as well as just um, for our inner writer, and during that book writing process back then, I learned about an author named Parker Palmer, and he had a quote that was really powerful for me that starts off with the words, self-care is never a selfish act, and because I was pretty much suffering from caregiver burnout at the time. That really resonated with me. 
And so fast forward to 2012, I was finishing up a job at a publishing company, feeling ready to move on. My son was on his way off to college. I was a single mom at the time and felt like I wanted to move to the West Coast. I was living in Colorado back then. And I was trying to finish up this book project because I'd never published it. And I was picking out a quote for my about the author page and was talking to a friend um, who was happened to be a Quaker. And um, that's Parker's spiritual practice as well. And so we picked out together. We talked about it. And we picked out that that quote. And later that day, the same woman who had been my writing teacher sent me an email saying that she'd seen a job opening at the nonprofit organization where Parker Palmer, that Parker had founded. And I looked at the job description and I thought, that's my job. And the synchronicity of picking out a quote by him and seeing a job opportunity the same day just felt like a sign from the universe. And so I applied for the job and it was a couple months later. Um, it was a long hiring process, but I decided to come to call to Seattle with my son on vacation just to check it out. And I landed in the airport and got in the rental car and got a phone call from the um, recruiting agent saying, can you come to Seattle for a job interview? And I said, I just got here. So I had a job interview 10 days later while I was still in Seattle and got the job and started a couple weeks after that. And then it was a few years into working at the Center for Courage and Renewal where we started talking about a book, a new book, book project. And I raised my hand and I said, I would love to be the one to write this book. And so here I am after three years of doing interviews and writing and putting it all together. Um, so I say synchronicity and book writing is how I got to the Center for Courage and Renewal. Oh, I love it. Now I've got a couple of questions. Uh, I love to always ask uh, when we have writers on the show, um, how do you go about writing? Do you have a particular uh, method, the way that you, a process that you go about it, or do you just allow it to flow through? You know, it's some of both. I, I love to write my first drafts by hand because it feels like creativity flows through me better when I'm, I don't know, journaling and coming up with ideas and not necessarily sitting at a computer. And I have, a, um, when I worked at the publishing company called Sounds True before this job, I met an author who had a handwriting practice where each letter of the alphabet is formed in a certain way and comes with a certain mantra. So it has just become a really fun practice for me to even just do handwriting. I think I've loved that since I was a little kid. And um, when I was writing the book, I started with a book outline and had to write the book proposal. Um, but I did not write the book in sequence. I pretty much started in the middle and just spiraled out or just wrote in different chapters, whatever felt more accurate to my creativity that day, um, which probably drove my editor crazy, but it, it turned out well in the end. You know, everyone's, there's no right and wrong, I think, in writing. I think everyone has their own ways and, you know, some people map it all out before they write it. I'm a little bit like you. I think I just, um, I did a bit of both and I think that for me it's it's about going with the flow, whether you start in the middle, the start or the end, it's it's whatever works for you. Yeah. The the other question I had as well is just courage, and that's a that's a, such a big word. So since you've actually worked for the Center for Courage and Renewal, and you've written a book all about courage, can we unpack the word courage? I mean, where does it, where does it exactly come from? Oh, well, I love this question because that was one of my funnest things about digging into this book project was what do we really mean by the word courage? Because it can be such a bandwagon word where we just 
you know, we limit it, limit our thinking um, about what it means. I, I went way back to, you know, the Latin root for courage is a French or a Latin word called core, C-O-E-U-R, and it means heart. And so we often talk about courage just as coming from the heart rather than the head or the gut. But when I was doing my research, I went even further back um, to the word fortitude as another word for courage. And I love that connection because, you know, when we think about why we even need courage, I think about the stress reactions that we often go to, which is just, you know, fight or flight is the most common way we think about it. Our defaults to uh, run away or, or you know, be angry and, and have moral outrage or whatever. Um, but it was really funny when I was, walk, I was hiking with some courage and renewal facilitators in New Zealand and telling them about for fleet, fight or flight. And um, one facilitator said, well, we talk about the word freeze a lot, you know, like a deer or an animal freezing in headlights or just frozen in, in panic. And I also heard about from another leader about the word flock as something that we go to under stress. And they put that in terms of, you know, like a flock of birds or flock of animals, you know, flock of animals or finding community group think or herd mentality. Um, but the positive side of that could be community or or tend and befriend. Um, but there's always an option to courage, which is fortify. So um, we could fortify ourselves. And I think of that as fortifying it in our hearts. Um, so I think those are all the reasons we need courage. Does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. I, I um, So I'm French, so I know that cœur, um, I also uh, understand what you were talking about with cœur, which is coming from the heart. And I think that for me, and that's why I always love to ask that question because courage is such a big word and I don't think it comes automatic. I think there's a, almost like a process. And if I have to think back about what I've gone through in my life, I've had to go through a really big level of fear. Um, I'm talking about shaking my boots and just pushing through to the point where when I come through that, that's when I go, wow, that took a lot of courage to do that. I'm so proud of you. So it, it, there's always a level of fear that comes before it. Uh, but you're right. It's got to be pulled from the heart. I totally agree with you. Yeah, mm. and I also found out about, you know, the, that there's a lot more different kinds of courage than we normally think about because, you know, physical courage is, you know, what, anything from battling illness or um, you think of soldiers in battle or any kind of just, you know, when you have to show up, even public speaking is a form of physical courage, I think. Um, and then the moral courage is really what we most often think about when we talk about the courage to lead or the courage to make big changes or speak up or be the whistleblower at work. Um, I also came across a couple other forms of courage that I, I love the idea of um, from an author named Rollo May, who wrote a book way back in the 70s called The Courage to Create. And he talks about physical courage and moral courage, but he also talks about something called he calls social courage. And I think that's getting much more attention now with researchers like Brené Brown. Um, and that's the, the courage to connect and be vulnerable and overcome our shame or blame um, and really just reach out for the sake of making deeper connections with people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. And then the, the other one he named was creative courage. And I just love that because it's not just about being an artist at heart or an artist, but creating community and creating connections, um, creating solutions to what seems like intractable problems. Mm. So when we think about courage, what radical shifts made your life change for the better when you've had to sort of really play out courage? Oh, I think courage is that leap of faith to do something that feels like a really big stretch, um, something you maybe you weren't expecting to do, but it feels like your life is calling you to do it and um, to say no, you might have regrets. Um, one of the one of the things I think about with courage, you know, from a physical standpoint, I think a really big shift was just facing into cancer um, when back in my 30s when my husband then had brain cancer. And how scary that was to just embrace the unknowns of what that all meant. But then when he survived the treatment and we had to move forward, it wasn't with the kind of life we expected. And so there's that courage to create a new life. Um, And so back then we decided to leave the front range of mountains of Colorado, the Denver area, and move over the mountains. And um, um, my parents bought a fruit orchard and we um, decided to learn how to grow fruit (laughs) and live in a small town instead of a big city. Um, You know, that was a radical shift just to leave the life that we had planned in the the suburbs of Colorado and and do something completely different. Um, And then years later, you know, I moved to um, my husband and then um, we stayed married for 10 years, but then we decided we needed something different. So the courage to change your life and um, end a marriage is a huge thing. And, um, you know, feel like you can stand on your own as a woman um, and take care of yourself. Those are radical shifts. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely massive shifts. And I think that, you know, how amazing. I think that I'd love the fact that you were um, very grounding moving into uh, your family's farm away from the mountains. Like I think that's very grounding, you know, gets sort of really sort of um, connecting with your roots. Right. Right, and just connecting with the land too, and the the seasons of the trees, and just something completely different was a really um, healing environment to be yeah. in for a long time. Mm. Um, shift. What I'd love to do for our listeners too, I'd really love to unpack your book, The Courage Way. Would you like to sort of give us a bit of a synopsis about the book? Sure. You know, the, the Center for Courage and Renewal started a long time ago, twenty almost 25 years ago, working with teachers in a program called Courage to Teach, which then turned into the Courage to Lead. And it was all about helping teachers reconnect with their passion for being educators um, to overcome their own burnout and find that inner resilience. And over the years, that that um, the programs were created around a process we called the circle of trust approach, which is a way of having um, kind of ground rules. We call them touchstones for having conversations about exploring big questions of your life. Um, What gives you meaning and purpose and who are you really deep on the inside and how do you want to bring that into the workplace? Um, So we started stories with teachers and started programs with teachers. And as the years went on, more and more people in other professions said, I need that too, whether they were college professors or physicians and nurses, nonprofit leaders, um, business leaders, people in government. And so uh, about three years ago, our organization talked about, well, 
where are we, where, what is the world calling us to be and to do? Um, and, and not just for, um, certain professional sectors. So we decided to look into how lives had been changed in people who had gone through courage and renewal programs. And so, um, the book includes stories of, I interviewed over 120 people from around the world in all different professions. And so the book kind of goes, each chapter is the story of an individual leader and how their life changed when they were able to draw on their courage um, from the inside and then bring that into the workplace in different ways. And then I unpack the practices that go with that. Um, so, um, just different ways of um, being authentic and bringing yourself into the world. You know, that we have some different practices that I can tell you about if you'd like. Oh, we'd love to. Um, three of the, the practices that leaders told me changed their lives in significant ways kind of boil down to um, interacting with other people. And so there's three touchstones that are, we call them, they're kind of like poetic guidelines for interacting with people. The first one is called, um, phrased this way, when the going gets rough, turn to wonder. And what we mean by that is if you're having a conversation with someone and you're feeling like it's gotten heated or somebody's, um, you just don't understand where somebody's coming from, to prevent yourself from going toward that judgmental mode and, um, you know, checking out of the conversation because you're having this mental argument with someone, if you turn to wonder and ask yourself, I wonder what it is that's making them react this way, or I wonder what it is that brought them to this moment, and I wonder why their reaction is pushing my buttons, um, it puts us in a place of just setting aside the judgment and able to tune back in and be present in that conversation. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. I have a, a similar thing. I always look at what else could that mean? So I ask myself that question to really break it up into small chunks to um, take away that point of focus of whatever that first thought was. Uh, but I love that. It is, it's is—it's very much like wonder. I'd love to, um, to practice that myself. I wonder. It's great. Yeah, and it really puts us in that spot of curiosity, um, which is just a good practice in itself. Um, the next practice, uh, the next phrase is – called no fixing, no saving, no advising. And the idea around this is to shift into a different mode of listening and from curious or from counsel to curiosity. So instead of feeling like our job as a friend or a coworker or a boss is to find the quick fix or tell someone what to do, you know, we often are conditioned, I think, to feel like we're being the most helpful when we give people advice. But the idea is to just listen to someone without feeling like we have to fix them. And it goes back to one of our, our major premises of courage work is that we believe that deep inside of every person is a true inner wisdom that we can help each other tap into. So um, how would we do that is with the third practice, which is asking open, honest questions. And asking questions that help somebody tap into their inner wisdom and what we think they, what we believe we must already know inside if somebody will just help us pull that out with great questions. So without fixing or saving and by asking better questions and that turning to wonder, we can have more productive, 
gentle and compassionate conversations with each other. I love that. And I don't know that we do that well enough either from, you know, when we look at how uh, much disruption and interruption we have on a day-to-day basis, how often are we actually being present listening to one another? It's so hard because I think we get into these um, patterns of wondering what we're going to say next Mm. rather than listening to each other. So true. Absolutely. Okay, I love that. So was there any others? You know, um, there's a whole list of touchstones, which which I really love, um, that show up in different ways. And, you know, I guess what I would go back to is, like, the, the key ideas that I found in all of the stories when I was interviewing the leaders kind of boiled down to three big ideas and two big practices. Um, the The first three ideas... Um, kind of go back to what I was saying a minute ago, but um, true self, trust, and community. And I think about, you know, true self is that deep inner wisdom that we all have. And if we believe that each person has that, we can kind of like bow to each other and recognize that in each other. And the second big idea is just building trust is when we trust in ourselves, we can come from that, that inner ground of um, inner resourcefulness or um, our values and what, you know, aligning with what we truly believe deep inside, we can trust ourselves to make better decisions. And then when we trust in community and other people, we just can collaborate better. We can just, we're just stronger together than we are um, individually. Um, those are like three of my the favorite ideas that seem to show up. And then this great practice of paradox, which is so funny to me. I mean, I don't know if, when you think about paradox, um, it's that idea that things that seem like total opposites can actually be true at the same time. But the paradox, um, paradox is just throughout our whole life as humans, like life and death, love and loss, um, that we can be happy and grieving at the same time or find joy even in the midst of grief. Um, so how can we start paying attention to that? Mm. Um, um, so then being able to reflect on any of those four as we go throughout our life or our day or even moments, you know, how am I doing as my true self at this moment or what am I trusting or not, not trusting right now? How am I trusting or looking for community? Um, and how am I paying attention to paradox in my life right now? Can I find a win-win situation instead of feeling like there's just either or choices in front of me? Mm, I love that. And I think trust is such another another big word when we're talking about trust. It's, you know, some people believe they need to, uh, you know, um, and everyone has, you know, different, there's a, the word trust in itself doesn't mean that you have to trust everyone with absolutely everything, but it does come, I believe, it. it's some people believe that um, you need to earn trust. Um, I'm, I'm the opposite of that. I think I trust everybody until proven wrong. And, uh, and then some people don't trust anybody. Uh, but I think that when you don't trust somebody, it shows up, you know, it shows up in your physiology, it shows up in your nonverbal language. So others will pick it up. So you, you really do have to give trust and it does first has to come from self. Absolutely. Yeah. That self-awareness. And one of the things I learned about trust was so fascinating to me that it's as much about our own perceptions and biases of what we think about other people that that are probably untested 
Um, and that when we start sharing stories with each other, we get a clearer picture of, of the truth of what's really going on. Um, so kind of just being aware of a few things around, like, do I feel like that person likes me? Um, that personal regard? Um, do I feel like they respect me as, you know, my contributions to our workplace? Um, do I feel like they're competent? You know, a lot of times we probably judge people for whether they know what they're doing without knowing the whole story. And then a sense of integrity, like, do I feel like they're in it for the right reasons or are they in it for only for themselves? Um, we could ask ourselves a lot of those questions around when trust feels missing. Um, and so that. Mm, great questions. I think it's um once I always look at it this way, when there's stuff going on outside of my world, as actually in my environment, I always check in with myself, Catherine, what are you thinking right now for you to feel this way? Or what are you feeling right now for you to judge this way? So, you know, once again, it's good. It's going back to you and taking the ownership. And sometimes it is, it's, it sometimes doesn't have to be anything to do with you. Sometimes it's got to be, it's, it's absolutely with the other person, not always with you. Because I do always say, is that a perception of mine that I'm turning into reality and it's not really real? It's only a, you know, a figment of my imagination or is, or is this really taking place? Yeah. And it can take a long time to really get to know people well enough to, um, you know, want to feel like you can share all your secrets. But I love that you said that you, you're the type of person who gives trust first. Um, rather than withholding it first because mm. that's you know that's a big open-hearted thing to to be able to do yeah and I think just you know it's because I think that the type of work that we both do I think it's it's a matter of if I can't you know it's not being authentic you know if I say that we have to give trust to it's not about earning trust but you have to give it unconditionally and th this is where you'll see I believe when you actually give it unconditionally and you give it this way and you think this way that I trust the individual uh, and I think that you know people lose a lot of trust with one another because maybe once upon a time we made a mistake and, you know, I don't think we embrace that enough even. Like, why not make a mistake and have that conversation, what did I learn from it and what can I do differently next time instead of going, well, I will not trust you again with, an, you know, whatever that may be. So your trust is, it is, I have to um, say that I don't see it often. I think people hold back from giving trust. Yeah, and you just made such a good point about that need for forgiveness or having a, a learning mentality, that growth growth mindset that, well, why can't we just acknowledge that nobody's perfect and, mm. um, and move on and feel like we can learn together and do it better the next time. Uh, yeah, rather so true. Hold it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that to my son too. He's, he's what, 24. And I still say, you know, I'm still, oh, he's my only son. I'm still learning as a mother. I don't have all the answers and I'm going to make some mistakes. And it's really good because if think if you own it, it's okay to make mistakes. And then he's very forgiving. He goes, yeah, that's okay. Chill out. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I have a 24-year-old son too. <laughs> there you go. I remember, yeah, I remember one time we were having a conversation. I think he was maybe in eighth grade or something, and he was saying that he was mad at me for something that had happened years ago. And I'm like, well, you can't be mad at me about that now because that's not who I am at this moment. Like I've grown and changed since then. And um 
I come back to that sometimes is we can hold a grudge for such a long time, you know, no matter how old we are, who we're talking about. And I, I think sometimes it's because we don't forgive ourselves as much as the other person. Mm. Oh, look, I hear that all the time. I still hear some individuals that hold grudges about, you know, their ex-partners, for example. And it's like, you know, uh, I always say, you should do a forgiveness practice. I say, oh, no way. I'm not going to get forgive them. And I then have that conversation. Forgiveness is for self. It's not about the other person. You're actually holding yourself back from living your life because you're hanging on to the past, which is like such a heavy burden for your little shoulders. Yeah, it just takes away from having energy for the present, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. So, Shelley, what kind of advice would you give someone if they want to embark on a new life or a new career? Because you've obviously embarked on a new life and a new career yourself. What would be a piece of advice you'd like to give them? Mm, You know, I think the best piece of advice I ever got was somebody, and it turned into a mantra for me, was just trust and believe. And do expect miracles. I think that when you're changing your life in a big way, it's just takes such a leap of faith to believe that um, that it's time to go or that it's something new is awaiting that you can't even imagine how good it can be. Um, that you just have to give yourself the pep talk and say, "You can do this. This it's it's your time." And it's um, it's you know, I guess another piece of advice was don't feel like you have to do it all by yourself. And enjoy being on your own for a while. You know, when I moved from Colorado to Seattle, um, it was at the time my son was going off to college and he ended up going to the opposite coast. So he was in Boston and I was in Seattle and I thought, you know, I didn't want the empty nest. I wanted something a lot, you know, something new and fun for myself when he went off to college. Um, but I was afraid of missing him so much. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, with texting, and phone calls and email, it didn't matter that we were that far apart, partly because he's a night owl and his bedtime was three hours later than mine. And so we were still talking at the same time of day. Oh, um, that's gorgeous. But, um, but one of the things I remembered loving the most was um, having my own place and eating dinner, standing up at the kitchen counter all by myself and not having to cook dinner for anyone else and just enjoying that time on my own and exploring a new city and um, getting to know my new co-workers and looking at it as a big adventure. Oh, I love that. And I love the, how you responded to your change, a big adventure. That makes it really, once again, exciting, doesn't it? I love that. And I love the fact that you, um, it resonates with me because I was uh, a single mother for 11 years and I absolutely uh, loved having that time to myself. I mean, now I'm married, but I do still have, my husband and I have that understanding. I need still me time. Um, I always say, I'm going, I need to go into my man cave and, mm-hmm. uh, and spend that time to myself. So it's really important to spend time with self. It really is. I mean, especially I think women are tend to give so much to other people, whether we're moms or friends or aunts or, you know, grandmothers or just coworkers. We, we give a lot and, we can overextend ourselves so easily um, and taking care of ourselves, even if it's just, you know, a ritual of once a day or um, once a week. I remember, do you remember, did you ever read Julia Cameron's um, The Artist's Way? Oh, I know the book. I haven't, I don't, I haven't read it. It's been a really long time, but she talks about taking yourself on an artist's date on a regular schedule. And, um, you know, even just, 
going window shopping or browsing or reading or walking or just doing something that feeds your soul is so important for us. Oh, for absolutely. Any- so, Shelley, on your during your adventure, what has been some of your greatest lessons that you've learned along the way? Oh boy, there's been so many. <laughs> One of my greatest lessons, I think, goes back to my writing process in a way. It's kind of funny, and even the very first quote that I mentioned around connecting with Parker Palmer around the importance of self care and how it's never a selfish act. Um, I think it. I tend to. And maybe this is from having my own businesses at a couple different points in my career and um, feeling like when you're the only person, the sole operator for your company, you do everything. You wear all of the different hats. And so you get good at doing a lot of things, but you also forget that there can be other people who can um, help you out or there can be things you should say no to rather than saying yes to everything. And I really overextended myself in different ways um, during the book writing process, partly because I loved it. I mean, there's just this quote for me that says um, something like, I choose my form of saturation. Um, And I love the book writing, but I really learned that self-care, if you don't take time out for the restorative activities, that um, it can hurt your creativity. You know, you just need a breather. And, you know, even at work, we have a small nonprofit organization and people come and go and um, projects tend to get bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden we have more to do than hours in the day and we have to stop and reprioritize and think, you know, what's really important right now and what can I let go of? So um, the day that my book was due, I was still working on the self-care chapter, the, the first draft of the book. And I think it was because I wasn't living it. And I really had to rethink what did I mean by self-care. And I came to realize it's not just the physical self-care, but it's really that care of true self and making sure that I'm taking care of who I am deep inside, making time to you know go play with my camera and be a photographer and be a mom and spend time with friends and not just say, oh, I can't play. I'm working. I have a book to write. I have deadlines and carving out more time in life for a bigger balance of what's important. Mm, I know, and I, I can relate to that as well. I was about to say self-care doesn't have to be huge. It could be just uh, doing the other things that um, make your heart sink, like you said, being a mother or cooking or whatever that is as well. Absolutely. The other thing, Shelley, that we love to ask a woman of inspiration is about pain points because um, we believe that everyone has little pain points um, somewhere along the way. So what would be some of your biggest pain points that you deal with on a day-to-day basis in life or business? Well, um, in addition to feeling like a workaholic sometimes, I guess that's one of my biggest pain points. But, um, you know, I think there's this quote that I um, have tried to pay attention to called Um, violence is what happens when we don't know what else to do with our own suffering. And that's a quote by Parker Palmer. And what, what that, what I pay attention to is when am I, um, violating the integrity of myself or somebody else, 
um, by being too busy so that I can't respond on time? Is my inbox too full and I'm not getting back to somebody so they can't get on with their own project? Or um, have I gotten to a point where I don't know what to do with a big challenge and so I tend to go to that freeze point um, or I shut down rather than think about who can I talk to at the moment? Who can I ask some questions of to kind of bump me out of my frozen place? So I think it goes back to just paying attention to, you know, how present as, am I being at any moment um, and honest with myself about my limits or my shadows and if I'm taking good care of myself. I think that shows up in lots of different ways all the time. Mm, I love that. And for our listeners, uh, let's unpack shadows. What what um, could you share with us when we're talking about shadow or shadow work? Uh, I, I love talking about shadows because I think we often at work, we focus so much on trying to decide our right work by looking at our strengths, which is great. I mean, we really need to see what lights our fire and what we're good at. But sometimes we figure out what, what we should be doing by seeing what our limits are or where our shadows show up, um, you know, there's as much shadow as there is light. That's just pure physics. So um, one of the shadows that I think about is um, called like the shadow of functional atheism and thinking that if anything good is going to happen, you have to do it yourself. Um, you know, that goes back to, I think, being a single mom and an entrepreneur and a perfectionist probably. Um, but I think those shadows, I was walking one day um, on my way to work and I was noticing where my shadow was and that there's light coming from this street light and that street light. And, you know, sometimes it's behind you and sometimes it's in front of you. And you kind of have to pay attention to where the good light is and how big is your shadow getting. Um, it's kind of a funny metaphor, but... Um, I don't know. What is? It, what do you think about shadow? Oh, I, I do. I love it. I think that, you know, um, I, I love the metaphor, by the way. Uh, the way that I look at shadow, it's it's what I need to integrate. So it's what I need to learn. Uh, and I think that uh, quite often um, when I hear myself judging something, that is my shadow speaking to self. So then I look at how can I integrate that? Because it's a bit of a dichotomy, light and dark, like you're saying, but it's how do we bring it to that center point where we can integrate it into our heart? So, so there is no uh, dichotomy. Uh, that's how I see shadow. Um, I know Deb Ford Unfortunately, she's no longer with us, but she did a lot of the uh, shadow. Have you heard of Deb Ford, Debbie Ford? No, I haven't. Oh, she, she was an amazing music, uh, woman and she did all about shadow work and she's got some amazing uh, books and even videos uh, that you can look up. She was So for those that, for our listeners as well, if you want to learn more about the shadow self or the shadow, she's uh, Debbie Ford was one that really honed into it and really um, that's all, she did a lot of that um that work so that's how I see shadow it's more so that when it shows up it's it's the opposite or it's what I need to learn and then how do I bring that into my heart how do I integrate that yeah I love though that you're using the word integrate because I think that's really what um what courage and renewal work is about when we talk about integrity is how do we integrate all parts of ourselves so that we can find our wholeness rather than just our strengths or just the part of ourselves we want to put on our resume. Mm. Um, so we integrate the, the outer part of our lives and the inner part of our lives and 
um, yeah, I just keep growing as a human being. I love that learning piece. Oh, absolutely. We never stop learning till I think we leave this planet. I think we'll constantly learn. And I think that, you know, I always look at it, another analogy that I like to use, if you're not happy with your environment, check in with, you know, what your internal world, you know, what are you thinking and feeling to create this reality around you? So I think that's really powerful. I always check in with myself to see why am I creating this? What are the lessons that I need to learn from this? Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Shelley, what we do as we wrap up the show, I always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I think I'll pick the word kindness. Yeah, I think you are. You know, you even your energy is so... Um, you know, I feel when I'm listening to you speaking from your heart, I feel really connected to you. So kindness really resonates. Absolutely. And the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Okay, I'm going to go back to my short versions of connect to true self, trust and community Mm. yeah i like that community so when you're saying community it's creating a network around you yeah i think of it as you know who are your people that you can really trust and believe in and who can help you grow Mm. um but i also think in terms of that bigger sense of community of all the people we live with whether it's virtually through networks or the people in our town and people that we work with is gosh we just see so much need to um, connect over lines of difference and see the value in each other um, rather than only be with people who are just like us Mm. and so there's just so much work around community building that takes a lot of courage and trust Mm, absolutely i love it so shelly for our listeners where's the best place for them to find you Yes, well, there's a great new website called courageway.org, and that is about the book, and there's an email series people can sign up for to get to know a little bit more about these ideas and practices, and there's some social media quotes um, to share. Um, There's also a website, couragerenewal.org, that talks more about the programs um, that our Courage and Renewal facilitators around the world offer, and we have quite a few facilitators, at least 25 in Australasia, who are just wonderful. They're all across the continent, including um, New Zealand and Tasmania. So um, there may be chances for in-person experiences of courage and renewal work if you're interested. Oh, wow. I love that. Absolutely love that. And for our listeners, I really encourage you to uh, check out Shelley's book, The Courage Way, Leading and Living with Integrity. Uh, Shelley, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been an absolute honor and I've loved our conversation and I'm sure our listeners will absolutely reach out to you. Um, Once again, thank you so very much for your time and your energy. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. It was really fun speaking with you today. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you 
And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.